0: Now, live. It's time. Which team, by colors alone, is identifiable around the world? It's time for the JT The Brick Show. Which team, by slogan, commitment to excellence? On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Just win, baby. All those things are the Raiders. Here's your host,
1: JT The Brick.
2: All right, JT with you as we continue on here. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio, and it's a big one. A first hour, Gus Bradley joined us. If you missed that, I'm sure the Raiders will podcast it and put it up at Raiders.com for everybody. He was fantastic as we did a deep dive on the Raiders and what he expects from the team this year and what we're going to see with the silver and black. We talked to him about the second-year players, the rookies expectations the attendance which was fantastic and overall it's always good to talk to Gus he is one fired up guy he's ready to go if you heard the interview I'd like to get your reaction from Gus Bradley and what I'd like to hear from you this hour in between our guest if you're a Raider fan is what are your expectations from Gus right out of the gate what do you want to see because we had Vinny Bonsignor on for about 30 minutes and Vinny was great because Vinny looks at big picture Vinny's not putting the Super Bowl on the line with the Ravens game, Monday Night Football. But a lot of Raider fans are doing that. A lot of Raider fans want to make sure that this is a team that gets out of the gate quickly and puts themselves in a playoff position. Gus has never been the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, and now Gus is at a spot where he's got to get these guys ready to go in the offseason. My big issue is this with Gus Bradley. Gus Bradley's got to figure out his – Game plan for what to do with the players that he has. Because he got a couple of players in the offseason that are starters. That would be Yannick Ngakwe coming off the edge. That would definitely be Trayvon Merrig who's going to be the free safety, the starter. He better be. He better be. He better be ready to go. And I think he would be ready to go at free safety. And then Casey Hayward, who is a cornerback who's a two time Pro Bowler in this league, and he's better than any cornerback on the Raiders. Then you have to mix in how much is Trayvon Mullen going to play? How much is Max Crosby going to play? As I told you, with all the depth that they have, I would leave Mad Max alone. I'm a Max guy. I'd leave him alone and I'd let him start. Some people think he's going to come off the bench or play less snaps. The only reason why Mad Max should be coming off the field is if he's getting too many reps in a game and they want to keep his legs fresh because there's an extra game this year. But I don't think you take Mad Max off the field because you think there's someone coming off the edge better than him. Cleveland Farrell is an interesting player for me. I think he is a very good player, a very good player who's taken fourth overall out of Clemson, a type of captain player that you build an entire franchise around because of his leadership and the way that he can play, but he's got to prove it. And is he better on the inside or on the outside? I think he's probably better on the inside. But the good news is you can stunt and you can move him around. And if you take, say, Yannick Ngakwe off on a second down, you don't take him off on a third down. Maybe that's where Cleveland Farrell's coming off that side. Max Crosby's coming off the other side. Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Hankins. The interior of that defensive line is really important to me. It's another group. You know, when Peter DeBoer talks about his team, he talks about the group. That's a big hockey term. The group is good. The group is ready to play. This group bounces back together. Well, if we talk about the defensive line, the interior defensive line for this team, going back to Jelly Ellis, whoever you want to put there in the middle, I think they vastly underachieve. I don't think they're great players. They're not pro bowlers. Darryl Russell, may he rest in peace, was a great player, came into the league a two-time pro bowler. So that's a guy who came into the league ready to play and ready to be a disruptor. So with everything going on, with everybody playing and competing, Gus Bradley came on, and he, I asked him directly, what are you going to do with these players with reps in the preseason? So for Raider fans, this is another really important topic for you. It's a summer topic. It's not a regular season topic. It's a summer topic. How much do you want to see the players play in the preseason? I want to see them play more than the average Raider fan. I am not a big believer. You know, a lot of people on the radio say, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have to show up. He's the MVP. He doesn't have to play a play. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers goes to the NFC Championship game. Raiders don't make the playoffs. So the Raiders play the Ravens week one. You have a big decision to make. Do you want to rest the starters and have them ready for week one with no reps or little to no reps? Or do you want them to play in the preseason Get a fair amount of snaps so when they come into that Monday night game, they're ready to play, and they got their cardio up, and they got some experience playing in the games. What's the use of just putting all rookies in? I know some guys are going to be fighting in that third preseason game to make the team. But overall, I would like to see this non-playoff team from last year that should have been in the playoffs get some reps in, not only in those workouts that they'll be doing with other teams, but in preseason games. Now, look, Derek Carr doesn't have to play, but why, why not? Why, why, why don't you want to get Derek Carr some reps with these wide receivers? Zay Jones, Willie Sneed, John Brown, Edwards, Renfro, Ruggs. You don't want Carr to play in two out of the three preseason games? What are you worried about, him getting hurt? No, you can't worry about that anymore. Derek Carr's been a veteran been around here forever you got Marcus Mariota, a very good player, backing him up. We're going to see more of Marcus Mariota in the preseason. But I'd like to know from you today on Thursday, because we just had Gus Bradley on on this topic, what do you expect to see when it comes to playing time with practice and getting these veterans and young players playing on the field together so they can build some chemistry? Or would you just like to flip the switch on Monday Night Football? in front of 65,000 lunatics and hope that all these guys are lined up in practice, they haven't played much together in the preseason, and they go out there and do what? Stop Lamar Jackson and then on a short week go to Pittsburgh and beat Ben Roethlisberger? It's a very simple question because the league is shutting down. The Niners and the Texans are shutting down their workouts because they're afraid of injury. They don't think it's productive. I don't agree. I think there's got to be a happy medium. I think these guys got to play together. I want to see Kuntz play in the preseason. I want to see his bend. I want to see him coming off the edge. I want to see Alex Leatherwood, a projected starter, at right tackle, play right tackle in the preseason. And for those, if if there's going to be an injury, the injury could happen in a preseason game. It could happen in week four. Don't tell me you can predict injuries. The problem is fans get all crazy and worked up when an injury happens at practice. Or in a preseason game, and they say, Oh my God, how was he playing in that game? He shouldn't have played. We didn't need him in that preseason game. Well, again, it could happen anytime. It's a fluke. Injuries happen out of nowhere. I would like to see this Raider team get some reps in and play in the preseason and play better. 702 365 9200 on your opinion on that specific topic. We got Raider fans streaming this show all over the world. I got to hear from a couple of Raider fans because Gus Bradley and John Gruden, I think they're workaholics. I think they want to get these guys on the field, but maybe in the back of their mind they're listening to what's happening around the league with the players, and maybe the players and some stars don't want to play at all. Tom Brady is not going to play in the preseason. He doesn't have to. Derek Carr is not Tom Brady. I want Derek to stay healthy, but I think Derek's got to get his groove on and throw a couple balls in the preseason just to get some timing down and some rhythm down because he's playing in a big game right out of the gate. Your opinion on that, 702-365-9200. All right, Chris Matthews is going to join us in about 10 minutes, and I'm excited for this game tonight. I watched the Islanders, the team of my youth, uh, beat the Bruins last night and closed them out, and that was dramatic. The Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, where the Islanders play, the barn as they call it now, was about as loud as any place you'll ever hear. It was so bleeping loud, the place was going nuts. Well, Vegas doesn't have to worry about that. Vegas has an advantage with their arena here, a T-Mobile arena. I believe it's the loudest arena in the entire sport, and they don't have to worry about it. What Vegas has to worry about tonight is the first line for Colorado, really the first two lines, and they are going to come out desperate. And in the last game, they got a very cheap goal on Marc-Andre Fleury. A very cheap goal. And after they scored that goal and went up 2-0, I saw a fight in VGK that I expected. I knew they'd fight, and they weren't going to just choke. And then they came back and won the game. Let's get to the Mark Stone game-winning goal in overtime because on this play, Mark Stone not only blocked the puck, but he was smart enough to get out ahead and get on a breakaway and this is one of the best goals of his entire life. You pick it up by Patreding. Out for Stone. Here he comes. Working left side. He shoots. He
1: scores! Mark Stone! He wins it in overtime! Three to two Golden Knights! The captain delivers his fifth goal of the playoffs! The Golden Knights, game-winning goal-scoring leader in the regular season,
2: wins it in OT. That is Dan Duba on the call. So hopefully Dan has a couple of good calls tonight. So the captain got going in the game. Uh, Jonathan Marchessault is the hottest goal scorer in this round of the playoffs. Pacioretty is back healthy. Mark andre Fleury was incredible, absolutely incredible. Made two saves in overtime that easily could have got by him, and they lose that game, and it's an elimination game the other way tonight. And Fleury, once again, stands on his head when the team needs him after giving up one of the softest goals of his career at the end of the first period. I want you to hear from Peter DeBoer as he's ready to go. I think he's really pressed all the buttons correctly, has the team playing well at the right time, and most importantly, he's making the adjustments so these players can be in the best spot to win.
0: The matchup thing for me is is overblown. Uh, I know, uh, you know the analytics say this and say that. We've, we're here in this position with an opportunity to win this at home because – of our depth and our ability to play four lines and six defensemen and, you know, and our goaltender who was great tonight.
2: So I want to hear from a Vegas Golden Knight fan before I get the hell out of here today. I'm at the Raider facility. The Golden Knights are playing early tonight. It's a big weekend, and I just have to get the vibe of this hockey team from someone listening to my show. I used to be on the flagship of the Golden Knights. When I left, I said, really? I'm not going to talk Golden Knights? And I said, no, I'm going to do it for nights like tonight. We have got to do better in this town, in Vegas. This is not for our fans listening in San Jose and Oakland and Los Angeles. We have to get better in Vegas in creating an atmosphere on game day which feels like a hockey town. It's nowhere near there on radio. There's like two two two-hour shows. That's it. And the national shows don't follow us at all. So we got to do that, and it's my job to be a leader in this category because I've been doing national radio for 25 years, and I know what it sounds like in other markets. Today is the Vegas Golden Knights Day. They have to play a great game to win. Colorado's going to throw everything at them. They're going to come at them in waves, and I really believe this is the most important game in the history of the franchise, because they can beat Montreal next. I'm not worried about that, but if they lose this game, I don't expect them to win Game 7. I know they've been to a Stanley Cup final, but this team is better. Because of Mark Stone and the players that they have that are here now. This is a better team, so I think there's more pressure on them to get it done. 702 365 9200. Jerry, right here in Vegas on Raider Nation Radio. What's happening? How's it going, JT? Good, Jerry. What's happening?
1: Man, what a night. I can't wait for the, for the puck to drop. And, you know, when we went down 02, I kept telling everybody don't worry, it's going to go seven. Don't worry, it's going to go seven. I hope I'm wrong, (laughs) because they got to knock it out. They got to finish it. They got to put them away tonight, and I think they will. Everybody on Twitter, all these tough Colorado Avalanche fans, uh, give me an analysis. How do you think you're going to win two in a row at home? How are you going to? Well, guess what? We're going to win four in a row. Just watch and see. So I'm pumped. I'm excited. And like I said, I sure hope I was wrong. I don't want a Game 7 now. Well, you don't want a Game
2: 7 because Game 6 is Game 7. The, the, the way teams – you know, I grew up with this in baseball. You know, I was a Yankee fan and still am a Yankee fan. You could be an NBA fan. When you have a closeout game, a closeout game in Game 6, in this 2-2-1-1-1 two, two, one, one, one format, you have to win the game because if not, you're putting all the equipment – all the players and the staff back on a deflated plane. The plane, the attitude is completely deflated. Now, the players will get up for the game in Game 7. The coaching staff will get the team up in Game 7, and the captain and the pros will be there. But you just can't expect to win. You have to almost expect to lose that game and hope for the best. And now you have one of the best home ices in all of hockey. Just take care of business. Get the crowd in the game early, score a greasy early goal, and mentally defeat Colorado because I think Vegas is a different team at home and they just won their biggest game on the road. I'm very optimistic tonight.
1: Me as well, JT. And I think, you know, one analysis I gave, I really believe in destiny. It's got to be our year. It's our time. We're gonna have a parade on Las Vegas Boulevard. Mark Andre Fleury. I'm arguing with people about he, he might. I'll listen to the argument. Best goalie of all time. He's definitely the best goalie this year. And I, the, the, statue. I'm with you. We got to get that statue up and going.
2: Yeah, you know, a couple of guys in town I appreciate it who mocked me on that topic, and they're just the mockers. You know, they don't do a show this good, so they mock me because they'd rather talk about me. When it comes to this topic, I said this early on, Marc-Andre Fleury should have a statue in front of T-Mobile Arena because he's going to have one. So I say build it now. And I said I'll throw the first $1,000 in, I'll be the leader of this, and build him a statue. Why? Because he's going to the Hall of Fame. He's the face of the franchise. He's the greatest goalie that this franchise will ever have, most likely. There's not someone going to come around in our lifetime and put up the numbers that Flower's putting up. So build the statue now, put it out there so we can take selfies, drink cold beer, and tell our friends when we park at New York, New York, or the Nomad, or the Park MGM, or the Aria, hey, I'll meet you at the Flurry statue. It's a brilliant idea. I only give my brilliant ideas on radio. The other ones, they're not so good. So why are we waiting? I don't like waiting for things. You go to Staples Center in Los Angeles, there's a statue of Oscar De La Hoya. I think Oscar De La Hoya fought once. Once at Staples Center. He's got a statue. All right, it took, you know, Magic Johnson, Wayne Gretzky's got a statue. I like statues. I do. I, I think statues are cool. I hope the Raiders, you know, 15 years from now, if you're walking around Allegiant Stadium, we'll see the same thing. Hey, JT, where can I meet you before the game? Meet me at the Bolitnikov statue. I'll meet me at the Cliff Branch statue. I'll meet you at the Snake statue. I'm all for that. I think it's a good idea. If you got a better idea with me, let me know. 702-365-9200. Big news today with college football. The new 12-team format is getting close. College football is considering an expansion for a 12-team playoff. I don't believe you need 12 teams. I think you only need six. The one and two seed get a bye week. Three plays six, four plays five. You don't need 12 teams. So the College Football Playoff Management Committee will consider expanding to a 12 team format when it meets in Chicago next week. College football gets a lot of bad press over the years, and they're going to do this because they want it. They have the stadiums to do it. It's a playoff, and playoffs work in America on television. The proposal calls for the bracket to include the sixth highest ranked conference champions and the six remaining highest ranked teams as determined by the committee. So you go to the power rankings, right? You go to the SEC. So someone's going to win the SEC. Let's say it's Alabama. There's going to be 12 teams. Well, after the other five conference champions, the teams from seven to 12, four of them can be SEC teams, right? Four of them. In a good year, you could have Georgia, Florida, Auburn, LSU. They're all going to get in because Notre Dame is always going to be in the top 12 if they continue to play their schedule and do what they do. And I don't know. You'll have a Pac-12 team in that wins the conference and maybe another Pac-12 team that gets in there with the ranking of 10 or 11 or 12. So if you like this format, you know, I don't think it needs to be 12 teams. The proposal, which was written by a subcommittee – made up of the Big 12 commissioner, Bob Bowlsby, Greg Sankey, and Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Schwarbeck. How about that? Notre Dame gets to be involved in this decision. No doubt about that. So that's going to be big news, and we'll get more into that. 702-365-9200. Coming up next, the gold standard for news when it comes to sports here. In Las Vegas, Chris Matthews from 8 News Now, brought to you by Salmon Ash, because you deserve what's right. If you get into an accident, Salmon Ash, that's the call. The ones I trust, 702-820-1234, or visit SalmonAshLaw.com again, because you deserve what's right.
0: We knew we were gonna. there was going to be moments we were going to have to weather the storm and, and uh, you know, bend but not break, and I, I thought we did that. I thought, uh, you know, it was a, a great road game, and uh, we found a way to win in overtime in here,
2: which was uh, obviously critical. There he is, Peter DeBoer. I like the job he's doing. I like the job of coaches that win. I do, and I think this guy's had pressure on him. And he gets it done. He gets it done in Game Seven. That's for sure. Hopefully, we do not see a Game Seven, or my good friend Chris Matthews will have to go back to Denver in the Ball <laughs> Arena, where I watched. I watched your live hit, and I've been seeing some of the social media after your experience there. Let's give it up for those night fans that had to literally push and shove their way out of that building. There were a lot of chippy Denver fans, huh, Chris?
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, thanks, JT. Yeah, it was. Uh it was a lot of fun. I mean, these fans, I, as soon as the game ended, I said to our photographer, man, Tim, we got to run down there and grab some of these fans because we had talked to them prior to the game and they were all fired up. In fact, a couple had said, Hey, we predict the final will be three, two Vegas. Well, they were right on. So uh, congratulations to uh, Mercedes tan with that perfect prediction. But uh, yeah, after the game, some of these fans were saying, man, we had beer thrown on us and, and they were, I mean, they were hooting and hollering and the go nights go and, and they were just having a blast. And the one lady said, come on, come come to Vegas. We invite you to come to Vegas for game six. And they were having a real good time and, and just enjoying the moment as, as they should have. That was a huge win for them.
2: Hey, Chris, you travel a lot. And especially you're traveling more and more with pro teams, the Raiders. Isn't it special now for you who've been doing this a while to see fans actually spend the money, come out of COVID, buy the plane tickets? I'm sure some local fans in Denver were night fans, but – the ones that made the pilgrimage there they deserve a lot of credit especially that building wasn't at full capacity
0: no it wasn't and and some of the tickets that uh, i asked them how much they had to buy these tickets for and it was pretty expensive because like as you mentioned uh, they are, they're only allowing 105 uh, i believe it was 10,500 for the uh, for the game so in an 18,000 seat arena uh, those p- tickets were pricey and it is really neat to see the fans Pro, this city become a pro sports city where fans embrace the franchise, love the franchise, make the sacrifices to buy the tickets to go to the city to enjoy the games. It was the same thing in uh, Minnesota. We saw the, we saw fans fly up to uh, uh, Saint Paul for the games up there. And so, yeah, it really is neat to see how Vegas is transformed into that pro city with a passionate
2: fan base. Chris Matthews, 8 News Now. Uh, Chris, it's interesting because you know Mr. Foley, Bill Foley, as good as anybody when he was awarded the expansion team. You've been up to Montana. You've seen him on the road at the vineyards. You know this man. And, look, you go back to that Minnesota series. A lot of people that I was talking to around the organization and people we both know, a little bit dicey on who's going to be back and the pressure if they didn't get out of the first round. Now everybody takes a deep breath after Mark Stone scores that overtime goal.
0: Yeah, you know what I mentioned it in a in a tweet a while back too that uh, Bill Foley was the guy who demanded to uh, Kelly McCrimmon, the general manager and the the president of the hockey operations, George McPhee, we got to keep Mark Andre Fleury here. Remember there was all the talk, trade rumors, talk of uh, of letting him go, and he's getting a little bit you know up there in years. But Foley wanted him here, and uh, boy, what a difference it is! I think he made the right decision, didn't he?
2: He did, and you know, Chris, I thought that they were gonna. Go back and forth with the goalies. I wasn't surprised that Leonard got the start because Flurry went to Game Seven and had to be a little bit gassed against Minnesota. And I don't think it was really fair to Robin Leonard. The team didn't look well, good in that game. He gave up a couple of goals that I think he'd won wanted back. But I don't think Flurry would have won Game One too. And now all of a sudden Leonard's on the bench from here on out. How do you think that story is being handled in town?
0: I think it's well. I mean, Flory wins is, I think, his save percentage. I was looking at it either last night or this morning. It's like 1.88. He's playing phenomenal in goal. He comes up with the big saves in, in game five to preserve mm-hmm. that win when Stone scores. So he is playing really, really well. And uh, nobody nobody faults Leonard for losing that game one. That's just a tough situation. Coming off that emotional seven-game ride with the, with the Wild, who were just awesome and, and big and heavy and they're fast and they're good. Uh, so that was, that was a big, big deal. So, get, you know, give Leonard the start there, get Flurry some rest, and then you ride Marc-Andre Fleury, and he's been playing phenomenal hockey. You almost have to go back to that 2017-2018 uh, year when – when he rode the team right into the Stanley Cup uh, final with Washington, I think he's playing as well then as he is now. And here he is a few years old, you know, a few years older. So I, I you know, you really have to tip your hat to Peter DeBoer and what he's done with the two goalies. And there's no conflicts. You may have seen the uh, the video with mm-hmm. Ryan Reeves who was a healthy scratch in, in Game Five. And after all the players are coming off and they're they're hugging, they're excited. It was really interesting. It was after Game Seven against the Wild. I focused right on Flurry what he would do in the reaction. Well, guess what? Leonard comes comes skating up to Flurry, gave him a big gigantic hug, and they hugged for a couple of seconds there. I think I think there's a lot of mutual respect and there's no animosity between either one of those guys, and I think everybody understands that.
2: Chris Matthews, 8 News Now, as we wrap it up. Chris, this is important because what I like about this offense and the snipers, every once in a while, one or two of them go dark. You know, Carlson will go four, five, six games without a goal. Marciso. Now Marciso's hot. Pacioretty's hot. Tuck is flying around. And Carlson, while Bill, who needs to get going, made that pass in the high crease to Marciso on that goal, which was pretty much an open net for him. I really think that assist... Can get Wild Bill going because he could have shot that puck and off, out of the corner of the eye saw an open teammate for a big goal. Yeah, this team, as as it has since the very beginning, has been
0: able to uh, roll four lines out there and just keep the the uh, pressure on these teams one after another, another line, another line, and then and then tonight you had the last change, so that's going to be another advantage uh, for Vegas. You know, it's interesting, JT. I was going through. It's funny after the Abs went up two nothing on the Knights the percentage for the avalanche to win the series was 87%. Now Vegas has won three in a row. By the way, Colorado has never lost four in a row this season. Vegas has now won three in a row. They're up three, two, and they have a 79% chance of winning this series. So, you know, Sports is so wonderful how things change, how things develop. And all three of these wins by the Golden Knights have been uh, come from behind wins. So, you know, like you mentioned, JT, they just keep rolling lines out there, rolling lines out there. And it's neat to see that golden misfit line produced because people are still passionate about that first year and those players that are, that are still here that were with the club. And you mentioned Tuck. How great is that guy The power forward. He's doing more things with his, uh, with his game and his skills and, and that's coming along. So it's, I cannot wait for this game
2: tonight. Uh, It's going to be fun, I think. Chris Matthews joins us early start tonight, 6 o'clock, getting ready for VGK in a clinching game six against the Colorado Avalanche. Chris, you were just in Denver for the pressure that was on VGK to get past Minnesota. What's the pressure like on this first line? It's one of the best lines clearly in all of hockey, and they don't get going against VGK, and a lot of these guys are starting to get the heat from the Denver media. I'm seeing that at least on social media. They have an advantage with that first line. I don't think a big advantage, but what's the pressure on them to get going tonight and carry the team?
0: Well, when you think about it, Nathan McKinnon has, has been so hot all season. In fact, he started out the playoffs just red hot uh, on pace to become the, you know, the playoff leading goal scorer. And he was going to win the trophy and all, but uh, boy, they really shut him down. So you got the, that big line that, uh, they made a little bit. Of, they made a change. By the way, this is this is just news. This morning is that uh, Bednar, the coach Jared Bednar, the coach of the Avalanche, is now uh, he wasn't at practice this morning. Morning skate, uh, COVID test results. There's some irregularity there, so he may not be on the bench. Couldn't be. It might be a big deal. Might not be a big deal. But when you got these important line changes toward the end of that game. It could be a gigantic deal, so I mean, we'll see what happens there. But uh, you know, what he made that change where he put what he put uh, Brandon Saad in the first mm-hmm. line with McKinnon and Ratnan, and, and he moved uh, Landeskog down just to try to shake things up a little bit. Might do the same thing tonight. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, the Vegas has shut down that uh, that top line five on five.
2: And Chris, one more on the game when I take a look at what needs to happen tonight. As we introduced you, we played a Peter DeBoer soundbite coming in and. I like his demeanor. When the team's winning, it's calm and cool. He talks about the group and how they're all lined up, and when they're losing, he's not a panic guy. doesn't show a lot of emotion. What have you learned so far over these two short years about the head coach of EGA?
0: You know what? And he's been there in the big games, so he understands what it's all about. It's interesting when he's talking today about how they got great leadership on this team, players who have been in the big moments under the bright lights, the biggest stage in hockey. Uh, he says, hey, embrace the opportunity. He says, we're going to get the abs best game, which, which, you know, we, they, everybody knows that's going to happen. But I thought it was interesting today that he said, he said, nobody could predict if they did, they're lying to you, that we would have an opportunity to close out the avalanche in game six. So it's uh, and he says it's very hard to win, you know, that, that last closeout game, which is just a cliche, but a, a reality, just they're going to come fired up. They haven't lost four in a row all season. So the abs will come in here skating hard and and looking for an upset. and It's going to be fun to see.
2: Well, you know, I never text you when you're on the air. I know the rules. And last night, Brian Loftus is coming out. It's 11 o'clock. My wife and I are wrapping up the day. And I'm like, wait a second. 8 News Now's got Guns N' Roses tickets. Why am I waking up at at 9 in the morning getting in the portal as a PSL holder (laughs) looking for pit tickets? I go, there must be a bowl of tickets over there at 8 News Now for Guns N' Roses. (laughs) You know, it's funny you say
0: that. But I did get up and get on that portal and get my tickets to ACDC this morning. It's crazy that stadium over there, Raiders. <laughs> are, it's going to be fantastic for the Raiders. These concerts come in here. Uh, it's it, it, Vegas is a different city now with that uh, with that stadium and, and Guns N' Roses, Garth Brooks, all the events. The CONCACAF uh, Gold Medal game that's coming here, that title game that's going to be just fabulous with with the pageantry and the passion of those soccer fans. So it has changed the landscape of Las Vegas.
2: And, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I got the, the, the yeah. uh, Gold Cup tickets for soccer. Imagine that if it's USA-Mexico, what that would be like. Oh, that'd be crazy. I can't.
0: There are so many things that make Las Vegas like, you've got to come to Vegas now. If you're in another city, come to Vegas, enjoy that stadium, and enjoy the event. I always tell people, in fact, I, do, I was just uh, talking to Craig uh, Miller, the, uh, mm-hmm. the USA basketball guy. I sent him an email, said, hey, when you come to Vegas, Check out Allegiant Stadium because it's more than just a football stadium. They got the art, you got all that, the history of Vegas on the two walls. People got to come and just enjoy the stadium itself, and then, of course, have fun at the event.
2: Absolutely. It's going to be a really active summer with boxing. I'll be at Virgin. There's an ESPN fight on Saturday night. We're going to be waiting for Wilder and Fury. You mentioned Garth Brooks, Guns N' Roses, soccer, Gold Cup soccer, uh, WWE, Chris. Let's wrap it up with that. Not my thing, but a lot of people in town here loving that. Another big event that quickly said, hey, if we got an open date, we're coming to Allegiant Stadium.
0: Nothing like Las Vegas. And and, even you mentioned it. You got the uh, the football kickoff classic with BYU and Arizona coming up, so a lot of unique, fun events. And and like you say, that WWE people absolutely—they're fanatic. They're, they love that stuff, and and that's going to be a huge event.
2: You got it, my friend. I'll see you tonight. I'll be watching, and thanks for doing this. This is a historic night, potentially in Vegas if they can close it out. And I'll know you have. A, I know, I'll know you have it covered on all angles. Look forward to watching you tonight. All right, thanks very much JT have a great show you got it there he is Chris Matthews good friend and the gold standard here for sports directors. been doing it a long time and happy that we can get him on the show yeah I mean you gotta you gotta have a lot if you want to go to every event at Allegiant Stadium I mean you want to go to Guns N' Roses and all these events you know it's priced for Vegas and there's a lot of people now that are talking about the pricing of tickets how much is this going to cost how much is it for a Raider game and again this is not the time to complain. If you're not going, don't complain. If you're going, be fortunate. But what's different for me, living in L.A. for 10 years, living in the Bay Area, lived in San Diego and living in Vegas, what's great about Vegas, it's it's very easy to shut up all the complainers. Parking, pricing, how do I get there? In Vegas, you don't have to listen to them because in Oakland, that's all they did. Oakland, everybody complained about the politics and they're losing all their teams because everybody, and I'm not talking Raider fans and A's fans. I'm talking mostly the politicians who made it very difficult. You know, how difficult it was in Oakland for the Raiders just to get a meeting to talk about BART or a meeting to talk about stadium egress, a meeting to talk about events with those fraud politicians in Oakland who are are just robbing that community. And now you come to Vegas and it could be the governor. It could be the mayor. It could be casino executives, whoever it is. Everybody wants to meet and get stuff done. That's what's fascinating about this town is that, yeah, this town's got its ups and downs, but when it comes to doing business, people don't want to lose business here. They want to get to hundred percent capacity. They want to fill up the casinos. They want to develop and build new properties. And, no one complains as much. And when they do, I just notice that most people look around and say, stop. Stop complaining. No one's listening to your complaining. We're trying to have a great time here. This city is better because we have a, a better time here. More people are on board to have fun in Las Vegas, and that's how it comes together. 702-365-9200. Ferguson is in Cleveland on the Raiders mobile app. What's happening, Ferguson?
3: Oh, All right, JT, doing good, doing good. Um, just calling for a couple of things. what oh, you just talking about people complaining? It's like, look, and I told from friends of mine. I said, you think the black hole? I mean, you know, the Death Star looks good. I said, you just wait till you see that black, white, and silver in that audience in the stands. I said, it's, it's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. And um, he was was trying to compare it to uh, the Rams Stadium. To me, I said. I said, look, the Rams stadium is like, uh, to me, it looked like a, a, a something out of the Mandalorian. But I said, when you look at the Death Star, it just is incredible. And then a little little thing, I don't know if you ever know, it's a little thing. If you look at certain um, t- television talk shows, are mm-hmm. uh, where they sit at, where they, uh, you know, the, the commentators they sit at in the studios, it kind of has that Death Star look to it. It has that the white going around the whole mm-hmm. little uh you know the counter and everything, and and it's just incredible. But what I was want to tell you about was, yeah, I want to see them get some action in because there were too many times last year, and I watched the Raiders play, and I sit there and said, I don't, I'm feeling good, but I don't feel too good mm-hmm. because somewhere in that defense on the third and long, they're not gonna be there. They're gonna be get toasted. Basically, to me, it was looking like seven on seven. The defense
2: was terrible last year. The defense, for even the players that played well and play hard, we mentioned Max Crosby and Littleton and Krakowski, and the players who were available, they weren't available last year. The players weren't healthy due to COVID, due to injuries, young players not lined up correctly, everything that could go wrong. On defense last year went wrong, and that's why it was so important to get Gus Bradley in here to clean it up. I like Paul Gunther. He was good to me. I think he has really good defensive principles. The only mistake that I saw him have, because the players, a lot of the players made the mistakes, but I don't think Paul Gunther had him lined up right. I don't think the scheme was right, and the players were out of position, especially on third down and in the fourth quarter, and I think Gus Bradley's going to clean that up. I hope so.
3: That's what I'm hoping. That's what I'm hoping. I got confidence he is. I I really do have confidence he's going to be able to do that.
2: Take care. Hey, thanks for listening in Cleveland. I'll be out there for uh, the Hall of Fame. I'm flying through Cleveland. I'm taking my wife to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on the Monday when we leave. So I'm really looking forward to getting to your uh, part of the country. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Enjoy it, JT. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, I just uh, got an invite to Charles Woodson's celebration in Canton, Ohio. I'll be there for Coach Flores's never taken my wife to Canton. I've been there four or five times, the Bolitnikovs are going, the Plunkets are going and Raider Nation's going. Every Raider fan that can make it to Canton in August in support of Charles Woodson and Tom Flores, I hope you can make it and just get there and be in the crowd and wear Raiders gear and appreciate the history of the NFL and the influence that the Raiders have had. The sports professor Rick Harrow is going to give us a big update on how the sports world is opening up next. JT back with you and we get an opportunity every few weeks to talk to Rick Harrow, the sports professor, the sports business consultant, the analyst, Harvard Law School visiting expert, and a guy who's been just such a valued friend and an important person on the radio getting us through COVID. And now that Rick, you join us as Vegas is 100% open sports feels like it's opening up, but not every state is opened up to full capacity. How are you? I am really good, in,
4: and so in, in tribute and honor to the fact that everything is opening up, I'm going to demand some compensation. Here's what it is. The Dolphins, as you know, play it Allegiant Week 3. So we're either going to play golf on the Saturday or the Monday, and then you're going to show me the town. What do you think?
2: Absolutely. You're all locked in a a couple of steak dinners, and we got a lot of steakhouses that have opened up since you've been out here last time. What's with the USFL? Tell me about what's going on. More football. I'm watching a new spring football with no fans. I'm not really that into. Why is that brand coming back?
4: Well, because people think because of uh, streaming, there is a niche content for everything. And then second, people think that because football is an avid sport that everybody likes, that automatically one of these 48,000 leagues is going to survive. And then Fox, with a fairly strong welcome to the family from Eric Shanks, my sense is, the presence of Fox, my sense is he he said that before he got the call from the NFL. I'm just saying. But, you know, at the end of the day, fan-controlled football league, major league football, your call football, Johnny Manziel, take me to the bank, I'll come to Vegas Memorial Football, XFL. All I know is I'm hanging on to my New Jersey Generals and Houston Gamblers and Birmingham Fire and all of those trivia helmets and stuff from old leagues in the past because I'm not sure the next one survives either.
2: Yeah, and one thing about the USFL, they had good history. They had good history with Doug Flutie and Herschel Walker and a lot of the great players that played in that league to start it off. Do you think they're going to plug into the history and keep that as an aspect of it and bring back some of those legends who went on to the NFL? Because I really think that's the only thing it's got going for them, other than the partnership with Fox, is that they have a history that some people are familiar with.
4: And and so do the lawyers. I mean, one of the things that they did was that they tried to purchase – Some of the original team names and intellectual property, uh, they've not told us which ones. I'm assuming it's the generals and the gamblers and some of those other teams. And, you know, they were pretty stout in those days. The conundrum is that if you wave the dollars around and attempt to go head-to-head and get star power, you're going to run out of money pretty quickly. And if you don't, you're destined to be just another your-call football or fan-controlled football league.
2: Uh, Rick Harrell, the sports professor, joins us. I thought it was an interesting story the way that Dak Prescott's deal with the Jordan brand was announced. I didn't see anything with Nike. Can you distinguish between Nike, the Jordan brand, the connection with Jordan to Nike, and how it seems like Jordan, Michael Jordan, is gaining so much power with college athletics and in the NFL with these endorsement deals And I'm hearing more about Jordan than I've ever heard about Nike?
4: Yeah, it's a really good point, especially with the whole name, image, and likeness stuff coming up fairly soon. And at the end of the day, Nike controls, there's no mistake about that, but the idea of feeling like an independent Jordan brand, even though Nike, again, controls marketability and financing and everything else, uh, this is one of those things where young athletes, frankly, may know more about the Jordan brand than the Nike brand, and you got to appeal to those young athletes, both the people who are going to endorse, and the people that are going to buy the sneakers.
2: What do you think about life without LeBron? It's been a big topic for me this week. With the Lakers eliminated, that's a massive fan base that is not interested in the Clippers, will not watch, and they're not going to watch a lot of you know what's happening with Atlanta and Philadelphia. How big of a loss is it for Adam Silver for the first time ever to have LeBron knocked out of the first round?
4: Yeah, life without LeBron is going to be very difficult and continues to be. You, know, you look at some of the games and – and it's, uh, you know, it's possible we get, we get Utah and Brooklyn. And by the way, that's a great series, uh, and Brooklyn's a bad example because there's 11 million people. But you know, pick another team in the East, and they may survive and thrive, and it just doesn't feel the same, whether he's 32 or 28 or 94 or number six, whatever he chooses to do, uh, the NBA faces a certain challenge. The star power in the bubble was the great way to transcend the pandemic last year, not so much this year.
2: Rick Harrow our guest. I, I was disappointed to hear Sam Darnold say, the quarterback of Carolina, I'm thinking about the vaccination. Really? What are you thinking about? You've had months to think about it. Uh, mill- you know, all the people that have died around the world, and a guy who went to USC – can't make up his mind in 10 minutes. And now I know that the NFL and a lot of teams are doing better than other teams as they're trying to get up to this 85%, 80% vaccination rate. Is this a big issue for Roger Dale going forward? And are owners and coaches going to have to come down on these players who still haven't been vaccinated?
4: Well, you know, it's just, it's a funny, you should say, I just saw a tweet. I got to read a little further, but D. Maurice Smith, the head of the union is strongly encouraging the players to get vaccinated. That may be the first thing that Roger and D. Murray Smith have agreed on in, you know, 9 million years. Uh, and how about, how about asking John Rahm if he wants to reconsider getting vaccinated, right? So, so athletes have a responsibility, just like other human beings, not only to stay safe, but to keep their neighbors safe as well, and that should be an important consideration.
2: One last thing I want to end on the NHL. You know, I'm here in Vegas, and Vegas and T-Mobile's 100% capacity, and it's a big market now for the West because it's an exciting market. Tampa Bay's the reigning champs. We saw the Islanders advance over the Bruins. i got to give Gary Bettman credit. I've known you for 20 years. I've been really hard on him. Now the move back to ESPN, the way the sport is growing again, expansion in Seattle. Are these the glory years coming forward for the National Hockey League? $650
4: Six hundred fifty million dollar expansion fee, five hundred million in your market in Vegas. I had Gary on my comeback series with Foley and Lardner, and uh, as long along with Fred Ridley, the head of Augusta National, Andrew Ogerio, the the Hall of Famer, hockey Hall of Famer. What a great uh, group! Gary's been a good friend. We talked for a while about his greatest accomplishment, and his greatest accomplishment is building the brand. And uh, dodging the second guessing, and obviously what he was told, second guessing, uh, what he was uh, talking about was people didn't think Vegas was going to work. He just toured the billion and a half dollar new UBS Arena uh, for the Islanders, which may be postponed a couple of weeks because of the way they're playing. The Seattle Kraken with Climate Pledge uh, uh, Arena uh, opening up in in October. So his legacy is a couple of things. One is the ESPN new deal. With expansion on its heels. And the second, which is really, I'm sure, very important to him, which is that you like him again.
2: Yes, that is important. If JT the brick's on your good side, that's a good thing. Take care, Professor. Hit him straight.
4: I'll I'll tell him. I'm sure it's going to make his week.
2: (laughs) Thank you. There he is. (laughs) Rick harrell the sports professor, appreciate him coming on because he adds the business element that I always want on this show. We want a gambling element, we want a business element, and COVID really was thrown into both of that and Rick as the visiting expert at Harvard really sits down and talks to a lot of business people about how sports is coming back and it's a good way for me to wrap up this week because I'm sitting in the Raider facility and I don't know how much this place cost I can't give you the exact amount it's glorious I mean I'm looking out a window and I'm looking into the facility and this podcast radio studio is nicer than any NFL team has it should be it's brand new the practice fields are amazing. There's a Raider image in the lobby. The location is beautiful here in Henderson. Mark Davis is building a headquarters for the Las Vegas Aces next door. We have T-Mobile and what's going on with Bill Foley tonight. And then all the concerts that I mentioned all week long and everything that's going to be happening here in town. Great week by Bobby, Pete Rose, Gus Bradley, all the guests we had. Thanks again to the Raiders for giving me the opportunity to be here. Vinny Bonson, you're... Who joined us? Chris Matthews from 8 News Now. You just heard the sports professor, Rick Haro. You can find our Gus Bradley interview, I'm assuming, pretty quickly here. That'll be at Raiders.com. If you missed that, I'm heading over to Virgin Hotels for their relaunch, their real grand opening for the next three nights. So Richard Branson is in town. A lot of friends are going to be there. Hope I see you there if you're coming through that property here. And Resorts World right behind that. So it's a good time to be in Vegas. Have a great weekend, everybody. Catch me tonight on Sirius XM 82, 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific.
0: Have a good night, everybody. All right. Take care.